This story is actually about a man by the name of Jonathan, and he had a armor bearer that was, that was younger than he. Now, this Jonathan that I'm going to tell you about is Jonathan that was a brother-like friend to David, you know, David and Goliath, that David, King David, David and Bathsheba, that David. He was a, he was a close, close friend David, but this was Jonathan and his armor bearer. And what happened was God's people were, were just getting, they were just getting ran over by the Philistines. And Jonathan was the son of King Saul. So you would think he would just kick back and order glasses of tea and ride a chariot around. But he didn't do that because he, he loved his people and he, he, was a, he was a serious kind of dude, man. He, he, didn't, he didn't play around. He didn't ride his daddy's coattail or just go around spending his daddy's money. He was the real deal. And he couldn't stand the thought of God's people, his people, his family, and his tribe. He couldn't stand the thought of them getting beat up on, made fun of, and killed on a regular basis. So he said, we're going to do something about this. And so he went with his armor bearer. He said, we're going to, we're going to just go over there and sneak up on them, and we're going to kind of test them. We're going, to, we're going to reveal ourselves on this side of the ravine or the hill, the mountain. He said, we're going to reveal ourselves, and we're going to, test them to see if they say to come to us or for us to go to them. Of course, they did that, and what happened after that was the, the Philistines fell for it. And they saw them, and their first thought was, oh, my goodness alive. These people, they're coming out of the holes. And so they tried to make a deal real quick, and Jonathan knew. He said, God has given us this victory. And so they went over there, and the Bible uses terminology like he crawled. Now, the redneck from East Rockingham likes to say he shimmied up on his arms and legs on his belly. Anybody know what I'm saying when I say shimmy? Okay, three of y'all, four of y'all, we good. Okay, for all the other etiquettes in the house, he crawled. He crawled on his hands and feet, and he showed himself. And then his armor bearer come up behind him. And at that moment, the Bible says that he, the armor bearer, and I'm, a, I'm trying to be careful because I want to preach this part later. So pretend when I do, you didn't hear me say it recently. Okay? So he took out about 20 people by himself on the sp uh, space of about a half an acre. And so he, he brought about a great victory that day. And meanwhile, his daddy Saul was over there with 600 men, and nobody but Jonathan and his armor bearer knew what was going on. And, and so they had a mighty defeat that day because the people started getting scared. And later on, they got so scared, they got so confused because... I kind of left the, the most important part out. They sought the Lord first to see what God wanted them to do, and then God gave them the green light to go ahead with this plan, 
And so it got so bad for the Philistines that the Bible said they got confused and they started turning their swords on each other and taking each other out. Well, there was a mighty slaughter that day. And it got so big and so bad that the noise of it, it, it just had a, a huge, like a tidal, I, I was going to say ripple, but it was like a tidal wave and went out and the people started, uh, the Philistines, they started fleeing, trying to run away and word got back to, to the camp of Israel and all of, the, all of Saul's army and everybody, it, it got back and they, they didn't really know what happened. So Saul got so mad because he couldn't figure out what was going on. And, you know, to be honest with you, Saul was looking for some glory here. And he, he was upset because he couldn't find who was going to get this glory, which was his son. He didn't know that. He said, so this is what we're going to do. Until I get to the bottom of this war and I can straighten this mess out. I'm paraphrasing, by the way. So don't go looking in your Bible for straighten this mess out. It's not going to be there. And he said this. He said, until we find out what's going on, nobody better eat anything. Nobody better eat anything. So nobody ate anything, but one day they were walking through the woods. Again, if you're not a redneck, the forest. They were walking through the forest and through the woods. And so they ran across a honeycomb. And you know what? If you hadn't eaten all day, and you see a honeycomb there, man, you know, that's the equivalent, like chocolate sitting there. And nobody ate it because they knew of the, the decree that the king, he said, they'll be cursed. Well, Jonathan and his armor bearer didn't know about that. And so here they go. They go walking. I talked about kids' church. I almost wanted to say walking and leaping and praising God. It just come out. I can't help it. Uh, they went walking, that's an old song by the way, and lo and behold, there was this honeycomb there. They didn't know about it at all. They hadn't been, and they were hungry. And the Bible says as soon as they ate some of that honey, that his countenance was lifted, and he, it's like he drank a monster drink, which I don't encourage. He, he drank an energy drink, and man, he just felt like he was, he was good to go again. Well, Saul found out about this, and to try to speed it up a little more, he found out that it was indeed his son, Jonathan, that went over there and scored that great victory. And it was also his son, Jonathan, that ate of the honey that nobody should have eaten of or anything else that day. And the bottom line was Saul said, well, just because it was my boy, he's still going to die today. And this is what I'm getting to, verse 45. And the people were so glad because really two men had saved their life. They, you know, this is a familiar story because there was a David that saved them from Goliath. And so they had already scored the victory, ate the honey, and they felt good again. And now they get news that they're about to die because they did a good thing. And the Bible says, even though the people were under the thumb of Saul, and he had all the power over the whole province. And he could kill, he could do whatever he wanted to do because he was the king. Something mighty happened with the people. And it's in verse 45. 
The Bible said, but the people said to Saul, shall Jonathan die? Who has accomplished this great deliverance in Israel? Certainly not. As the Lord lives, not one hair of his head shall fall to the ground. For he has worked with God this day. So the people rescued Jonathan and he didn't die. The people came and the people said, no sir. The people didn't care how much power the king had. They didn't care who he had killed. They knew that if they would just come together and stand their ground, that they could make a difference and save the life of somebody who, who, who had already saved their life. And I don't know about you, but this sounds like something that needs to happen about right, about right now on planet Earth. People need to realize what day and age and time we're living in. And in fact, this past two years, going on two years almost, this has to be one of the most, if not the most successful things that Satan has been able to do was to scatter the people so that they don't have a voice. And the people, I'm not making a political statement here. I'm preaching from the Bible today. The people would not have any power. The people wouldn't have any say-so. The people would just have to, to just live and wait on Everybody else to tell them if they're going to live or they're going to die. And that's what I just read to you happened. It was just a different uh, setting that this, this story, this plot lies in. But it was the same thing, folks. People realize the king's one man. Amen. The king is one man. The media is really one man. The public sector is really one man. The government is really one man. And all of these different entities really fall in the category and in the hands of one or two or three or four people or conglomerations. And these people knew that. They knew who Saul was. They knew what Saul had, what he had done. And the Bible says when he was chosen, he was like a head taller than everybody else. So this wasn't some little old short midget like me. This was a big dude. You hear me? And everybody was kind of intimidated by him. But on this day, they knew that the people had the power and there's nothing that the king could do about that because if all the people revolted and pushed back and said, not today, then the king couldn't do anything about it. I don't know if anybody's hearing me yet, but I want to tell you this. I've been on this for about two months now and the church has got to realize that sooner than later, the church, our church, but the body of Christ, Outside of putting your voice together, putting your prayer together, putting your praise together, you can't gain much ground on your own. But where two or three or more are gathered together in my name, there's not a gate in hell that can prevail against you. And it's time for the people to come together and say, not one hair of his head, you're not going to do this. As for me and my house, Joshua said, we're going to serve the Lord. Serve the Lord. Satan has always used fear to separate and scatter people. He's used fear. You want to go back to Golgotha? You want to go to the night Jesus was arrested after praying in the garden? What did they all do? 
The Bible even prophesied this before it happened. What did they all do? When they knew that Jesus was arrested and he was about to be crucified, they all ran and scattered. Why did they do that? That one four-lever, four, I started to say legged, but four-lettered word, and it does have legs because people run. It's called fear. And I know the church don't even like for me to bring it up because it, it, it brings a lot of conviction now because people are guilty of falling to this. But that one word, fear, is something that Satan has always, always been able to get by with people on until people realize the word of God. And the word of God says that God has not given us the spirit of fear but of power and of love and of a sound mind. There's only one person that hands out fear, by the way, and his name is Satan. And he knows that if he can get into a group of people that's called the gates of hell not prevailing against him, if he can just insert a little bit of fear on a personal or on a corporate level, then he can scatter the power, you see. But this day, all the power came together because, see, Saul would not have listened to one little peon that was ranting and raving, but you get a half a million people together and get up in your face, you'll back down. And so that's what happened, you see. People came together, and the people had more of a voice than they thought they did. And in 2022, I don't care how you size up what I'm saying, you think I'm trying to make a, a medical or a political statement or a personal statement. It don't matter to me. But I will tell you this. In 2022, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ and multitudes church included, this has got to be a year of unity where the people come together and we say no to cancer. We say no to diabetes. We say no to fear. We say no to depression. We say no to marital problems. We say no to drug addiction. We say no to homosexuality. We say no to people that's confused with transgender mess. We say no to all kind of trash and filthy lucre that's coming in through the school system. We come and we say it and we say it loudest when we say it on our knees, church. This has got to be the year of unity where we have to do what Paul said. We have to literally forget those things that are behind us and we've got to move forward. We've got to press forward. I'm preaching a lot of the same stuff, but we've got to get it into our system. We've got to get it into our spirit because when we do come together, I don't care how big, how much money Saul has. Listen, you've got the power, folks. When you come together, if hell itself cannot even prevail, certainly an institution on planet Earth can't get by you and won't win and won't lure you in and knock you down and lock you out. We've got more power than we see. We've just got to come together and we've got to put all the power together and then hell will step back and say, wait a minute, we better watch out. We better watch out. Now today, I want to tell you that we can't do this unless the Holy Spirit has us and completely engulfs us because that's where the power is. That's where all the gifts that are listed in Corinthians, that's where all of the armor of God is. It's right here within the Spirit of God. And if you resist the Spirit of God and you say, well, listen, I just want to go and watch and listen. I, I, don't, I don't really want to get that 
vigilant with the devil. Well, listen. He's already beat you. He's already set up and designed a course that you will not complete. And so this is why we've got to understand that the Bible says, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. And we've got to let God do what he wants to do. And see, there's been a time and there's been a season when the church as a whole in our church and me as an individual we had gotten used to what I want to say, our old wineskin. We, we liked it because it did the job. We were able to live and we were able to get by. We were able to sing and sometimes we would feel chill bumps, but sometimes we'd read our Bible and it would cheer us up. And so this wineskin has done pretty good for us over the course of time. But the Bible tells me that there's a new wine that you can have that an old wineskin can't contain because the new wine is a stronger wine and the wineskin will just, it will just burst wide open because it cannot contain. In Malachi 3, when you talk about tithing, for instance, the Bible uses this same kind of picture language when it says, you know, uh, bring all the tithes into the storehouse and it goes on to say, improve me and see if I won't open up the windows and here goes the new wine skin and uh, wine into wine skin language right here. You see if I won't open up the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that you cannot contain or receive because the blessing is bigger than your ability to hold it. That's the way the Spirit of God is. We get used to our walk. We get used to what God's done. We say this is the climax of Christianity. This is all God can do. All those stories are old stories. We'll never see that again. And you're absolutely right. You will never see that again in the same old wineskin. you got to say, God, burst me wide open. Lord, I don't want this old tattered mess to hold me back and me just stay used to a form of godliness. But God, if there's more you can do, if there's something newer, fresher, more powerful that you can pour into me, Lord, then I'm game for that. I'll do whatever. Strip me down. Make me brand new again. And God says, I'll do that. The Bible says in Mark 2, Jesus said, no one puts new wine into old wineskins or else the new wine bursts the wineskins and the wine is spilled and the wineskins are ruined. But new wine must be put into new wineskins. Somewhere along the line, there was something that happened to the children of Israel and they realized that their current wineskin, their current way of thinking, their current level of satisfaction was not going to save the life of Jonathan. I'm talking to people right now. They had to realize somewhere in that chapter that, listen, y'all, 
I know we've been scaredy cats. And I know we've just been yes men. And I know we've just been yes women. But we got somebody that saved our lives, saved our children from dying, saved our grandchildren from the sword and all of our livestock. And we just can't treat this thing like this. We got to come together and realize that we can be bold people and we can be empowered by God and we can go to this king and we can save this man's life. See, you've got to realize that your faith has the power to be greater than your fear. And when you realize that, honey, there's never been a Christian like you. There's never been a person like you because you're going to blaze new grounds. You're going to tear down some new walls that that nobody's ever torn down in your family. It might be a, a drug addiction, an alcohol addiction, a porn addiction. I don't know. But listen to me. When you realize it's time that, that I just lay down all this fear and I become a man, a woman, a student, a child of faith, then you watch what God can do. God says, that's what I've been waiting on. I've been waiting on you to get empty. I've been waiting on you to get a new wineskin about you because I got some really great power. I've got a great Holy Spirit that I can put inside of you and you can go and you can speak to things that are not as though they were. You can go and you can talk and you can tell the devil. You can resist the devil. He'll flee from you. You can pray over your children. You can plead the blood over your family. You can pray at work. You can cause a revival to start at work. All because you gave me a new wine skin to pour into. You got rid of yesterday. And now you're on a brand new day. God says, I can do that. I will do that. And there's no telling who or what we will save in the process if we just say, Lord, we're not going to sit idly by anymore. We're not going to wait on any more instructions from anybody but you. And God, we will walk in our faith and let you finish the work that you started in us. And God says, if you'll do that, you'll see great and mighty things that you know not of. That's in this book right here, verbatim it is. But it only happens when we come together. It doesn't happen when we talk about coming together. It doesn't happen when we think about or we attend classes or show videos about coming together. It only happens when the people come together physically. Y'all hear all that? They can't do it in their mind. It has to be a time when they say, we got to come together. You, you have to realize what is at stake and the time frame in which you're, you're trying to work and operate. So you, you got to come together. You've you got to realize that the new wine in a new wineskin is not going to happen corporately. And I, I'm, I'm about to give you a scripture right here. Maybe it'll help you understand it. Until all of the wine skins, the new wine skins come together. Now, I just kind of said that in a way that you might understand it, but let me give you a scripture. It's found in Isaiah's writing, the 65th chapter. It says this, Thus says the Lord, as the new wine is found in the cluster. And one says, do not destroy it, for a blessing is in it. So will I do for my servants' sake, that I may not destroy them all. God's going to pour his fury and his wrath. When, when tribulation 
begins on this earth, especially the last three and a half years, there's never been a time, the Bible says, like those last three and a half years. I don't want anybody here during that time. And today's the day when you get out of that condition because you won't make it. You won't survive. You, you can't. You won't. But folks, I want you to imagine a cluster of grapes, if you will. If you take a cluster of grapes and you hold it over a jar and you, and you begin to squeeze and press those grapes as hard as you can, you're going to be surprised at how much juice comes out of squeezing and pressing those grapes. You squeeze them and you press them, you put them together and, and you just really work them and then you see how much you have in a jar, and then you take, and then you set another jar or another small glass beside it, and then you get one grape. And then you take that grape, and then you squeeze it, and then you press it, you squeeze it as hard as you can, and then you put both of those little cups and jars together. The cluster of grapes is always going to produce guaranteed more wine or more juice than the one grape by itself. Meaning, that's why Isaiah said, the Lord said that the new wine is in the cluster. Because by myself, I'm really no good. By myself, I'm limited to what I can see God do. But when I get together with people of like faith, and I forget yesterday, I, I mean, even if it's not a problem with anybody else, I forget my yesterday, where I always used to fight mental uh, problems and I always used to have depression lurking over me or some some form of fear I've got to get to a place where I forget all of that and then I come in here at 6:30 on a Monday night and and I get together with a bunch of other wine skins and we've all done that let me tell you something folks you don't know what God will do for us you don't know what God will do through us, but it will only be, we can only see the new wine, we can only see the Jonathan saved until we come together because that's where all the power is and that's the way God set it up to be that way because two are better than one. You're not called to be a Chuck Norris. Somebody explain that to your youngest. You're not uh, called to be a long wolf McQuaid. You're not. You're not. You're not a Rambo. I'm still losing. I'm in the 80s. Get me out. Get me up to speed. Who's somebody new? Okay? Listen. You are here. You were made to be part of a group, part of a body, because Jesus said, I am the head and you are the body. But notice, when you read about the body, the body is attached not detached amen the body is together because the body connected gets a lot done and when you got that going on and the promise of the father giving you that new one then folks we've never seen a day like we're about to say see and I do believe like I've already said last Sunday I believe that 2022 is by far going to be the greatest year of the church I believe it is. I believe we're not going to always talk about how our grandparents and great-grandparents went and used to grab pot-belly stoves in churches. 
when they were hot, when they were praying or praising God, and they never even got burned. I believe the new stories are tucked away in 2022 with the cluster of grapes that's going to come together, and God's going to squeeze, and he's going to pour, and he's going to do, and we're going to see, and God's going to say, I told you if you would just hearken unto me and do what I said to do, and let me finish my work in you. I do more than you could ever do on your own. And I'm going to prove it to you that that's all people have to do. We talked about it in the Old Testament, but I got to talk about it in the New Testament. The Bible says that Wednesday night, as a matter of fact, we're in James. James 4, as a matter of fact. And in James 4... When we read verse 5, it was all about how the Holy Spirit is jealous when we give ourselves to anybody or anything else and allow it to fill us instead of the Holy Spirit filling us. The Bible uses the word uh, jealous or that he lusts after the Holy Spirit. He lusts after the thing or things that's filling us instead of himself. He feels that way about the church. When the church is allowing a form of godliness or religion or programs and all the other things to fill it and fill its calendars besides himself, but besides the new one, then he is, he's equally grieved. But when the people say, we're not going to do this, we're not going to try to float church anymore, we're not going to just try to do this on our own anymore. We're coming together because there's more power when we're together than we're, when we're running scared and we're scattered. And I, my proof is actually back in Acts chapter 1. If you want to turn there, scroll there, watch on the screen there, it's fine with me. The Bible says, and being assembled together, say that word, together. With them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which, he said, you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Not many days from now. We think it's about 10 days. Over in chapter 2, after those instructions were given, when the day, verse 1, of Pentecost had fully come, meant the wineskins were now ready, friend. The clusters had gathered. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Say that, one place. One place. Not scattered, not scared. One place. And suddenly, I got to go back to that. Lord, just thank you, God. And suddenly, there was a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled, say filled, filled, the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one set upon each of them, and they were all filled, say all filled, all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the 
spirit, not them, not flesh, not a teacher, not a coach, not a program, as the spirit gave them utterance. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Quickly, I want to make a statement. Somebody, somebody in a carnal way may try to uh, challenge me on what I'm going to say, but I've already prayed about it and, and thought about it. But do you know every person over the past two years that's gotten sick, if you want to call it COVID, name any of the variants you want to name, the croup, the cold, the sore throat, the cough, the sneezing, the headache, I don't know, maybe you even got a hangnail ache, I don't know. But any of the people over the past two years that's a part of this ministry, not one person, not one person, not one person has gotten sick or infected when they were around other people in this church or at that campus over there. Not one person, not one person, not one, not one. We've had, I don't know, probably 70 or 80 people to get sick. Call it COVID, whatever you want to call it. But not one person has gotten sick during a worship service here or at that other campus. It hadn't happened. Now, because most people, when they got sick, they were out the Sunday or Wednesday before they started feeling bad four or five days later. Sometimes it'd be two or three weeks before people would get sick, and then they'd be sick, not be. Not one person has gotten sick. Not one. I'm saying that many times over and over again. Not one. Now, they got sick at home, around other family members. They've gotten sick at work. They've gotten sick at school. They've gotten sick because you hang around people and you talk to them for 15 or 20 minutes, breathing the same air, touching something. Nobody's gotten sick. Nobody. So the question is, why are people not consistently as a cluster in church? If nobody's gotten sick, why don't people come to church regularly? I'm telling you, you need to answer this question before God asks you this on Judgment Day. And you need to fix it. All right? I'm not going to go out here and walk in front of traffic. Now, I know, you know, other churches, that they say, well, they were reeking with it and all that. Maybe people did get sick. But I happen to know this. I don't know of another church that spread out like this church neither. I've seen the videos, the Facebook, all the church... I've seen them. They pack them in there. You're not packed in here, are you? Even if you're mad at me right now, you're not packed in here, are you? No, you're not. You got plenty of room. And if what you've been told is true, you can't get sick with the way we have you spaced out because the way you're facing and people breathing and the way we have air circulating. If you believe all that, you want to, but I'm, I'm trying to finish, but I'm trying to get in your mind and tell you the devil... It's costing you a lot of new wine. He's costing you personally a lot of miracles and a lot of Jonathan savings. He's costing us a lot of mighty works of God being done. It's time in 2022 for people to say, look, 
I can't do this by myself. I've got to have my church family. I've got to be together. Iron really does sharpen iron. I don't like everything you do. We don't even like the clothes we wear. Uh, and we don't like the clothes you wear. I don't like where you go out to eat. I don't like the car you drive. I don't like, I don't like. But I forget all that kind of stuff because what I do like is the promise that I have in this Bible right here and online the promise that I have is what God will do if we will come together in these closing moments before the rapture takes place and watch what God does with the church as new wine is poured into new wine skins in 2022. And we see this here county broken wide open and saved for Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Now, don't clap. You ain't got to clap. No, 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 no. Save it. Let's do that for Jesus in a minute. Church, I'm going to say something that I said last week. There's your hope. We've got to quit analyzing altar calls. We've, we've got to quit analyzing messages, whether they're from me or somebody you listen to or something you read in the Bible or a book. Again, you say, well, is he talking to me? Folks, I'm never talking to you. I don't have anything to say to you. I mean, I can tell you I love you and all that. We can talk about, you know, fishing that I'm never going to get to do it, it feels like, or anything else. But if the Lord is dealing with, and I'm going to tell you, everything I'm talking about today, not only has God dealt with me, God is dealing with me about it. Because if there is a chance for me to put my heel in the skull of the devil one more time before the trumpet sounds or my appointed time arrives, folks, I want to drive that booger deep in his skull. Do you hear me? I'm tired of the new stats of pregnant young girls or teen drunks or teen suicide, or broken marriages, or people that feel like they got to revert back to alcohol or drugs, or people that have to get out of church and start playing with the world again. I personally, as a minister and as a believer, I'm tired of it when I know that God is greater than all this and His only vehicle and vessel is His body, which is the church, all the church has to do is realize we are the trick. I told you be a funnel last week. Be a funnel where all of the grapes can be squeezed and the wine can be poured into you and God will do things that you never asked him to do, that you never thought he would do, that you can't even believe he's doing. If you will just say, God, this year is your year. I'm coming, I don't care, and I'm going to put it out there. Because I always set myself up when we have prayer. I set myself up when we started back Wednesday night church over there. I'm not going to set myself up anymore. I'm going to tell you, if you love Jesus and you really believe with all the current events going on in the world, you ought to be in church. I ain't going to say hell or high water. You ought to be in church because you love God and you want to see what God will do this year. So now I'm expecting to see people at prayer time. I expect to see people at youth, children's, 
cafeteria, Bible study time, or any other thing that's going on because there'll never be a time when we see God maximize himself through his spirit until we come together. And I'm believing this is the year. We're not going to buy any more excuses. We're not going to believe. If you're sick, stay home and get better. We'll pray for you. Watch it online. And the moment you're better, jump back in and keep paddling. But don't get out of church, man. Don't quit serving God. Don't quit coming together. That's where all the power is. And it might be your Jonathan that we have to come together and save next month. Stand with me if you will. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, I believe with all my heart that there are people in your families, people in your circle that you thought you would never see saved or bondage is broken. But it's going to happen this year. But it's going to happen when two or more come together and agree. And again, I'm going to say this. this. People might say, well, you shouldn't say that. But I, I am going to say this. I'm not after a big crowd or multiple services. or try. I'm not after that, man. I told you last week. I'm not after uh, a mega church. I'm after a mighty church. See, you can be a mega church, but the Spirit of God is not allowed to move through you. Great and mighty thing. I'm not saying mega churches don't see that, but I'm saying if people of God will say, God, I see what Saul's doing. I see what the... And, and by the way, I, I hate even have to say this. I'm not saying, and I'm not preaching, we are revolting against the government and all that. I'm talking about a spiritual condition, church. That's what I'm talking about. But there might be a time when you have to stand your ground. No, I'm going to church. No, I quit my job, but I'm going to church now. I mean, I'll sell my house, but I'm going to church. See, that's hardcore. That, that right there made everybody, whoa, hold now, cuz you're getting a little deep there. I ain't getting nothing. I'm telling you this right here. Read Acts 2 when you go home today. 3, 4, 5. Read it. Read it. You, you, you'll see what people did. But those are the people that walked in the Spirit, full of the Spirit, pick up snakes and throw them away. People could throw rocks at them. They get up, supposed to be dead, keep walking. I'm telling you all kind of stuff now. God's ready to do this, folks. He's ready to do it. I can't think of no, I can't even think of a better place than Scotland County. I can't even think of a better church. I'd rather even do it in than a multitude church. I hope it happens to all. But Derek's playing the song available right now. And that's what this is all about. It's about being available. And in closing today, you're going to be available. Lord, I'm, I'm available to come together. I'm available. I, 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 I'm there, Lord. I see that it's limited when I'm on my own, but when I'm together. So, again, I want the, the, the stigma that's attached to the altar to be gone. You don't come to the altar because you backslid this. I mean, you can, and people do, and I encourage you to. But the altar... This year, I'm coming because something's right. Yeah. 
And that is that Jesus has saved me. Jesus has loved me. He's taken care of my family. He's provided. I'm not avoiding the altar because people might think something's wrong. If something's right in your life, come to the altar. Say, God, I'm coming to sacrifice, give you a sacrifice of praise just because of what you've done for me, what you've done for mine, what I know you're going to do for me and mine. I think God's offended when we're scared of the altar. You can have it all, Lord. we are available ready God we want you to do what you want to do Lord we don't have a selfish agenda Lord you order our steps God we want to be one of many churches that are available we're unified we're together God, we don't find a reason to stay out of church, but we find every reason to have more church, Lord. We create reasons to have church, Lord. We ask, can we have more church, Lord? We ask, can we pray? Can we worship? Can we fellowship together? Lord, God, we want to be as obedient to your word as we have been to fear, Lord. Help us to do that. Help us to realize how much our allegiance has been towards something that is destructive, God. I pray in the name of Jesus, Lord, that you would help us to know that we are not alone, we don't walk alone, and God, what you want to do, nobody in here has ever seen it before. We may have ideas, I may have visions, we may have dreams and plans we've talked about, but God, what you want to do, it hasn't even been revealed to us or in us yet. But God, you said you would accomplish it through us. If we would just be the church, we would be one. We would be all together, Lord. And God, we do. So God, we come together. We get out of our home. 
We shimmy on our bellies if we have to. We crawl out of holes. We do whatever we have to, but we come together, Lord, because we know that you might be using us to start the revival, Lord. You might be using us to encourage the people to stand up, Lord. It might be what me and my Jonathan Armour Bearer do, Lord, that encourages everybody else to get going, Lord. So help me to realize, Lord, I'm not here flying under the radar, playing it safe. But God, I'm a mighty era. God, in your quiver, Lord, and you're going to release me, God, into this world, Lord. And God, you want to pour out new wine in us so we'll walk in the newness of the Spirit. Hallelujah. And your power and your gifts, oh God. You're not a believer. All you have to do is say, Jesus, I've been doing it my own way. I've been trying to figure it out, work it out according to what I think. But today, I drop my knees down to the old rugged cross and I ask you to forgive me, Lord. I'm wrong and my way is sending me to hell. My way is keeping me chasing my tail. It's not producing what I thought it would. It's not rendering what I was hoping it would. Lord, the people I've been trying to please, it's not gaining the ground that I really was hoping it would gain. So, God, I'm coming to you right now. I need a Savior to save me from this sin and mess that I'm in. I repent and I denounce all of my way of living and thinking, Lord, and I embrace you and I want to be, Lord, in your family right now. If you pray this prayer and you mean it, God said he's faithful and just. And he'll cleanse you. And Derek will put some numbers on the screen if you're here or if you're online. You just message us or go online. We'll get some information to you. But we really want to pray for you because God's adding to the cluster, you see. God's adding to this cluster right here. God, I pray in the name of Jesus, Lord, that we would. We would evaluate our circle, our friends, what we do on Snapchat, what we do on Instagram, what we do on Facebook, what we do on YouTube, what we do on the Internet, what vain books we read, Lord, that have no eternal purpose. God, help us to be convicted when we don't spend more time in your word than all those other things, Lord. None of those things will benefit us, but your word will give us life and will give us the peace. It's a light for our feet and our path, Lord. So God, help us to see what you want to do. None of us have seen it ever before. Lord, and I pray you'd let the words of our mouths and the meditations of our heart be acceptable in your sight, O oh Lord, our strength and our redeemer. You